Good morning. Good morning. What? Good morning. Good morning. Here for all you guys back there. <laughs> uh, Psalm 32, we will be in today. say to everybody that's not here that's watching we miss you we love you get well soon if we get sick we're still gonna blame it on you <laughs> Psalm 32 the word of the Lord if you need a Bible raise your hand and we will get you how joyful this psalm is just a reading of this psalm this is one of my favorite psalms and probably one of yours too what a privilege to be able to preach it how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit and bridle, or else it will not come near you. My pains come to the wicked. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, we love you. We love your word, Lord. We, we believe in you. We believe in your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Uh, sanctify us today, Lord, as we sit under your word, Lord. We sing your word. We pray your word. We read your word. We hear your word. We preach your word, Lord. And it is all because it's, it's truth. And we know from your word that um, the truth sets us free. And it just doesn't set us free once. It continually sets us free as we continually sit before it and under it, Lord. Uh, help, us to, um, help us to submit our lives to your word today, Lord. We are good soil. Help us to be good soil. Help us to be who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it is a joy to be here today. Um, we, you guys know how much we, we love the local church. We love gathering together. Um, but all of that has um, many conversations I'm having with people. It's just, it's just, you know, you just kind of double down and double down and double down. And with everything that's going on in Asbury, um, it's really cool to see uh, a lot of people not being snarky, not being cynical, not being mean, um, highlight the, the actual local church. And, th and that is ultimately... Our, our prayer is that people would get saved, what's going on at Asbury, but that they would be pointed uh, back to the local church that, man, my prayer, and I'll just tell you, it's very specific. My prayer is that they would find a reformed, <laughs> confessional, 
gospel preaching, gospel centered church, gospel culture church to just simply give their lives to and to settle in for the long game, to settle in for slow church and slow sanctification, settle in to slow relationship building and to see the beauty and the extraordinary of the ordinary and to see the beauty in the mundane and to see the supernatural in the natural. And so I hope that would be your prayer as well. But it is cool having a lot of conversations of just knowing that, although Asbury is 15, 20 minutes away, and it's fine to go there. I mean, I, I went there. I felt like it was derelict of duty if I didn't go there just because of just pastoring close and getting a lot of questions from all over the nation, actually, because people know I, I'm close. And I, so I'm getting a lot of text messages, emails, and phone calls. Um, it's really cool, though, to know that we don't have to go there, though. We don't have to go stand in this huge line. I mean, the line is insane now. I mean, it's incredible. The line is incredible. Way 10 times, 20 times longer when I was there than when I was there. But it is cool to know that you don't have to go do that. You don't have to go travel even 15, 20 minutes to another place. It's, it's as we gather together and sit under the ordinary means of grace that God sanctifies his people. And it's what, how refreshing it is to, to know that. And so I'm super excited to be here with you guys today. Psalm 32, simple outline from David. David's outline is as follows. The joy of forgiveness then he goes into the, the first two verses, although they're first in the psalm, wouldn't, be, wouldn't actually be first. And you'll see that when I do my outline. But David's outline is the joy of forgiveness. Then he, he, he reflects on the heaviness of unconfessed sin. Then, of course, as David always does, and I know I'm making this point every week, but I think I need to. He never just thinks about himself or himself and the Lord. He always thinks about the people of God. And so he has this joy of forgiveness, and then he starts thinking back when he didn't have the joy. He had this heaviness and sorrow of unconfessed sin. Then he has a, as he experiences the joy of forgiveness, again, he doesn't just want it for himself. He wants others to experience it himself, and so he gives an exhortation to the people of God to confess their sins, and as he says, and I love immediately. And then he has an exhortation to the people of God to be glad and rejoice. So his joy and then he remembers his sin, and then he exhorts the people of God to do what he does, which is repent, and then he exhorts the people of God to do what he does, and that is to rejoice in salvation. And so this is, um, I know it is every week, it is a, it's almost like the cry of our church every week is, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. And I, I have a high joy of salvation, and yet every Lord's Day, as I sit under the preaching and teaching and reading and singing and praying and communion, the Word of God, the singing of the Word of God in communion, my joy just keeps getting, it just keeps growing. And although I don't lose all joy throughout the week, there's distractions and there is hardships and there's, there is just the mundaneness of life and there's, there's hardness and there's anxiety and fear. I mean, I, not just for me, but I know for all of, all of, all people and God's people are, are, are not immune to that. And so it is uh, good to constantly have that theme that when we gather together, you know what you're going to get, you know, you're going to get the gospel proclaimed to you. It is going to be the desire of the preacher um, that the joy of your salvation would be, would grow or be restored in your life. It is going to be that you would be encouraged, that you would be exhorted, that you would be rebuked, that you would be corrected, that you would grow in repentance and that your faith would grow. 
it's, it would be ultimately that we would just see God, see the fact that he sent his son, and to see that we have what, what I mean, that Psalm 32 is low-hanging fruit, that we would see the glory and, and be astonished, even if for only a few hours, of, of just the incredibleness that, that, as David says, and you forgave me of the guilt of my sin. And then, yes, we have, we have, to, we have to go live life. Um, but today I'm going to kind of put the sorrow um, as my first point, all right? So we start with sorrow. Although David doesn't, we know if we're thinking chronologically, uh, the, the sorrow and the heaviness of sin would actually be the starting point here, okay? And in verses 3 through 4, when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Look at Psalm 3110, if you will. This is from last week. Indeed, my life is consumed with grief and my years with groaning. My strength has failed because of my iniquity. And this is virtually saying the same thing. Because of sin and then because of unconfessed sin, this is what happens to David. And remember, this is David writing, but we get to jump in David's shoes. Because David's life, although different than our life, is also, in another sense, no different than our life, right? And this, regardless of who you are, whether you're a king or, or whether, whether you're whatever, um, you work on boilermakers like I do, this, and everything in between, this is what's going to happen when we have sin in our lives, and no, we have sin, and yet we, we walk with it, and we don't confess it. And usually, unconfessed sin is, is due to just stubbornness, as he's going to point out. It's due to the stubbornness of our heart. It's due, it's due to pride, all right? But here it is. This is what it does to you. When we do keep silent, it's as if our bones, I mean, this is figurative language, of course, my bones become brittle. I can't help to see bones brittle, brittle bones, and think of my brother Dan's little boy, who's actually not a little boy. He's a junior or sophomore in high school, and he is forever now um, in a wheelchair. And he has a thing. He was born with a thing that the, I, I can't remember the actual term, but the layman's term is brittle bones disease. And that kid, he breaks bones left and right. I mean, femurs. I mean, he came out with broken femur and collarbone breaks his legs all the time he can cough and break something he now is to the point where he breaks stuff and doesn't even know how it happened they used to at least know how it happened he went down a slide and landed awkward but now he could roll over in his sleep and break something and this that's a picture that pain that just you just thought of that 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 is a picture of what unconfessed sin is like it's as if my bones became brittle why because of all the groaning all day long, the sorrow and the heaviness of unconfessed sin. And I don't have to really, I mean, this is a, for day and night, your hand, that's good. Your hand, whoo, your hand was heavy on me. If we're going to have somebody's hand on us, if we're going to have somebody who's involved in, in this groaning and this aching and this conviction, this heaviness, that we want the hand to be God's hand. We want it to be our, our Father's hand. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Now, I could sit up here and talk for a while about just 
like sin and the heaviness of sin, but you guys, you guys know it. Every one of us in this room knows what it's like to however we get there. Uh, you know, you do sometimes have these moments where you're just like, oh no. And, and, and then it just like hits you. Right. And, and that, that can be, and then you do, you do what, what David tells them to do and tells us to do. You do repent immediately. But even in that moment, like that realization, ah, oh, it's just so heavy. But everyone in this room also knows what it's like to know and yet avoid. Know that there's something in your life that you have done, that you have said, that you have thought, and it could be involve personal relationships. It could be something that is done in total private. No one else knows. If you know, God knows. And God has clearly spoken into whatever that is. And yet you just keep going on and not confessing your sin. You, everyone in this room knows what it's like to walk through life and to have moments and days or sometimes even weeks of just refusing to confess sin. And that's the picture of, I mean, that right there should just encourage us to again do what David says, which is to confess uh, immediately. When we think of sin, and we're not even thinking like the wages of sin being death but although that is talking about eternal death i mean it is like it's like the wages of sin even in this life is like a form of death i mean does this picture my bones became brittle from growing all day long or day and night your hand was heavy on me my strength was drained as in the summer's heat does that sound like life no and this is a guy that has life has eternal life and it's almost like the wages of sin are death. We know that eternal death. But the wages of unconfessed sin for the people of God, even in this life, is like a form and a picture of just death, sorrow, heaviness, burden, not sleeping well, waking up with a guilty conscience. Is, you know, people always talk about going to bed with a guilty conscience. Man, I can sleep anywhere, anytime, any place. I've even learned with having six kids, I've learned how to fake sleep and, and, and just be dead. But man, waking up with a guilty conscience, I believe, for me, is the worst. It's, it's, I, that's what I can't. That's what I don't want. Because, I mean, I can, I, I'm so wore out when I go to bed because I'm a night out. I'm just gone. But man, the waking up man, with a guilty conscience is one of the worst things to, to, just to keep doing day and morning in and morning out. So we know the heaviness of sin, but what a picture. It's just dry. It's just hot. Dying of thirst. Bones breaking. Groaning. Sorrow. Heaviness. But look at the joy that begins in verse 5. This is the starting point. He feels the weight of sin. But it's God's hand that is on his life. God is the one guiding in his providential care, convicting David. And David says, then I acknowledge my sin to you. It took that type of heavy hand from God. Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not conceal, did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And I love this. It's emphatic. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. That is incredible. That's it. That's all we need to talk about when we gather together on the Lord's Day. 
is that we confess our transgressions to the Lord and he forgave us. It's incredible. And that leads to you have the heaviness of sin and conviction and a refusal. And it keeps getting heavier. God puts, and by his, his providence and his fatherly care, his hand put, keeps putting more and more pressure, more and more pressure. And David finally confesses his sin and the Lord forgives him. And then it leads to this joy, right? Verses one through two. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So transgression is like rebellion. Your rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Notice this, all right? I will confess. Wait, I did not, verse 5, I did not conceal my iniquity. I did not cover my iniquity. And then he says in verse 2 at the, or verse 1 at the end, whose sin is covered. It's as we uncover our sin, God then covers it. It's amazing. And we know what sin is. It's, it's usually, it's, it's hard to figure out. It's, I mean, but it's a transgression. It's rebellion. It's, they, they say it's missing the mark. I think we should be careful taking that too far. But, okay, we have rebellion, transgression. Sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity. And iniquity, think of words like twisted and perverted. Not, I mean, not charged with it. And whose spirit there is no deceit. And that, what that means is God's work is being done in the person's life. They're no longer walking around with the iniquity, with the transgression, with the, with the sin. They're no longer walking around with it, with a painted smile on their face. They're no longer walking around with it, judging other people that they know are doing the same thing they're doing, but nobody knows they're doing it in private. And, and, and they're no longer doing that. They're no longer little legalists that, that have a bunch of sin in their life. They're no, longer this, they're no longer the people that make mountains out of molehills and yet skip out on Theology 101, which is love God and love others which is always the most fascinating thing to see in the church is the things people do, you know, for the Lord. And yet they're not even doing basic Christianity 101. There's no more of that. And when we get over that and when we don't do that, then of course, I mean, the starting point of no deceit is just confessing. It's just uncovering. And in that there is joy. There is, I mean, our transgressions are forgiven. My rebellion is forgiven. My sin is covered, covered by the blood of Christ. Oh, how joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity. And not only that, not only does he not charge us with iniquity, he charges us. And we know this, this is, here we go. What does he charge us with? If he doesn't charge us with iniquity, is it is now nothing? He charges us with righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, the great exchange in whose spirit there is no deceit. I love this. This is I'm stealing this from a commentary, right? I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It didn't remind me of this verse, but it reminded my commentator of this verse, and it is awesome. It's like this. Who is a God like you? The amazement of, of God. I'm amazed when a human being forgives me. Now, take that to infinity. And he says, 
This is out of Micah 7, verses 18 through 19. Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Who? What, Elijah will for my sin against him? Sure. God will. God will. And that's incredible. And of course, I, here's what I love, because he is going to tell the people to rejoice. And so it is, there is, it's like, you should be joyful. But notice David. David at first just says, how joyful is the one? Hmm. That's convicting. How joyful is a person? And we can look at our lives and be like, oh, I, I'm not getting very joyful. What am I doing? But man, you start thinking about why we should be joyful. And even if it's not this thing that just like there's this massive transformation in your life, but now you're just the most joyful person in the world, even if you can just grab it for a minute, for an hour, for a day, for a week, which is, and, and we kind of lose it and it kind of leaks. And then we come back and we're reminded of the joy of our salvation. We're reminded of who we were reminded of, who God is, holy, sovereign, righteous, all-powerful, eternal, infinite, omniscient, immutable, impassable, simple. We're reminded of all these huge characters and attributes of God, and then we're reminded of who we are. Just even as we think about God, we can't help but think about the creator-creature distinction. He is infinite and we are finite. He is holy and I am not. And we, then we start to think about what I deserve and what we deserve. And then we start to think about the mercy, the grace. God is love and compassion. The sending of his son. And we start to remember that his son not only died for us, but he lived for us. And we receive his righteousness. And we receive forgiveness. And then we remember that, that not only did he rise again from the dead, he also ascended and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us at this very moment. And then we remember he's coming back for us. And oh, how joyful is the one who hears that on a continuous basis. How joyful is the church that hears that from the pulpit continually. How joyful is the Christian who proclaims and preaches the gospel to themselves on a daily basis? How could we not? And so David has this picture of the heaviness of sin, the sorrow of sin, the desertness of sin. And then he points this like, I, 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 it took all of that for me to confess my sin. And then, and then it's, it's, the script flips. Oh, how joyful is the person who finds forgiveness. And so... Of course, then he has a call, as any great leader would. Hey, gosh, look at this is this is where I was at. I was in a desert with no water because of the sin. But then I confessed my sin to God. I mean, what else would I do? Where else can I go? And He forgave me. Oh, oh, now He's all, all the way over here. How joyful is the one whose sin and transgression and iniquities have been forgiven and have been covered. As they're uncovered, they're covered. By who? By God. Of course, then, as a leader, then you would say, guys, 
repent. Do what I do. Do what I did. Experience. Don't experience what I experienced over there. Well, I already know you're doing that. Experience what I'm experiencing over here. Joy. Don't be stubborn. Repent of sin quickly, as verses 6 through 10 summed up. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, there's the word flood, waters, flood, flood, great flood. Was there ever a flood? <laughs> Whenever they come, get in the boat. This is how we get in the boat, by confessing sin constantly. They will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. That, that's kind of weird. You surround me. Who's who? I don't know who these joyful shouts. We know one of them is David. But is David surrounding himself with his own joyful? Maybe. But I think this is referring to the people of God, the very people he's talking to. Hey, repent. Get in the boat. Get in the ark. Escape. This life, this dread, this sorrow, this heaviness. He's not talking the first time. This is not talking about conversion. It's certainly, it's, it's not not talking about conversion. But this is talking to the people of God. Repent. And, and what's going to happen is you're going to be surrounded with other repenters. Praise the Lord. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. Is that David or God speaking? We know, we know it's David. Perhaps it's God as well. Do not be like a horse or a mule. Don't be like a stubborn horse or a stubborn mule. Without understanding, that must be controlled with a bit and brittle. Bridle? Bridle. Bit and brittle. I don't want to say brittle. Bridle. Or else, it'll not come near you. Don't be like that. Don't be like somebody that's got to be for. Don't be like David. Don't be like where it's got to get to this just point. You know, like uh, pulling teeth is the phrase they use, you know. And, and, and guys, we already know, but sanctification ultimately is a lot like pulling teeth. It's just so, gosh, we are like mules. Many pains will come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surround him. And so look at the bookmarks, the bookends. Hey, hey, here's what I went through. And so then I confess the Lord. And here's what I found on the other side. Hey, you confess. And guys, those who trust in the Lord are the same people that believe in the Lord. They're the same people who confess their sins to the Lord. You will have faithful love surrounding you. Wait, what's surrounding me? You will have joyful shouts of deliverance surrounding you. You will have faithful love of God surrounding you. That's what we need. That's all we need. How do we get it? Confess your sins. And God will put people, fellow confessors, fellow repenters, fellow children with joy in their lives. He will put them around you. He will surround you with those people. Oh, make it so, Lord. And then he will surround you with himself. He will surround you with the love and the joy and the community of God fears. And he will surround you with the faithful love that he has for you. And all he's telling us to do is not three, four things to try to do this week that we're going to suck at. And then we're going to feel worse at. No, all he's telling you to do is just, hey, just confess sin. You know, uh, it's Luther. I'm going to botch the quote. But it's like, 
It's, Christianity is a lifestyle of repentance. It's a lifestyle of confessing. And he says, that's all you got to do. Confess your sin and you won't be over there. Confess your sin and you'll be over here. And you'll be surrounded with other people. With other people with joy. And when you go low, their joy will lift you up. When you go low, they'll proclaim the gospel to you. They'll proclaim Christ to you. They'll point you to Christ. They'll point you to righteousness, forgiveness. They'll point you to eternal life. Oh, and God himself will surround you with his faithful love. And all we got to do is confess. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I love it. Surrounded by others. Joy. We will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, which this is what the, the verses three through four we're doing. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did he read Psalm 32? Yes. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Therefore, therefore, confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then, okay, here's my testimony of just blah. Here's my testimony of confessing blah. And here is my testimony of joy because I found forgiveness. Guys, repent. Repent. And guys, rejoice. This is, this is the sermon. This is the easy outline. Be glad and rejoice. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. You confessors of sin, rejoice. You repenters, rejoice. You believers in Christ alone for salvation, rejoice. You heavy-hearted pilgrim, rejoice. You dealing with sin, not dealing with sin, you sinning. Hey, confess, rejoice. You dealing with temptation, confess, rejoice. This is the whole, my application is always usually chin up, plot on, rest, and rejoice. And David says, chin up, plot on, rest, rejoice, rejoice. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, our sin is covered. In Christ, we are not charged with iniquity, but incredibly, we are charged with righteousness. Not our own. Christ's righteousness. He takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. He takes our punishment and we receive mercy. We receive forgiveness. In Christ, we have been set free from the guilt and the punishment of sin. And this is highlighting the guilt. And so I want to highlight it too. Uh, the guilt of sin. And I'm not 
talking about the guilt is in the punishment. That's the cause for ultimate rejoicing. Like we're not going to be declared guilty. But man, the walking around I me, mean, we mourn. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And I want to comfort you today. And that heaviness and that guilty conscience. And I want to say, hey, hey, just, just do what David did. Is there, you don't have to jump through hoops. There is no even two plus two equals four. It's just one. One. Confess. Confess. I mean, and we because we have everything. I mean, Paul says, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. So just confess. Repent. Here we have... Uh, a picture of Christ and Isaiah. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we were healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned our own way and the Lord has punished him, Christ, for the iniquity of us all. He made the one, Christ, who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, you righteous ones, rejoice. You righteous ones, be glad in the Lord. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Who are the upright in heart? The ones who have no deceit. Who are the ones that have no deceit? The ones who are trusting in the Lord. Who are the ones that are trusting in the Lord? The ones that are believing in the Lord. Who are the ones that are believing in the Lord? The ones that are confessing their sin to the Lord. And they're seeing that salvation is outside of themselves. And although we still carry around heavy consciousnesses, consciousnesses and although we still cover carry around and deal with anxiety, and fear, and we doubt. We doubt that whether or not we're saved or not. We doubt, do I love God? Does God even love me? Well, when you get outside yourself and stop looking for your own strength and your own evidence for salvation, and you just look to cro the cross, and you just look to Christ, oh, rejoice. Yeah. Rejoice. Praise the Lord that salvation is not inside of you. It's outside of you. Elijah, you can come up. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no future condemnation waiting for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I just want to say, hey, you can have joy in your life and not have this condemnation as you pilgrimage through this life. As you think of Jesus Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension and interceding and is coming back for you. He's covered you. He's got you covered. In Psalm 51, which we're all familiar with, David says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. And in this Psalm, he says, How joyful. I mean, he's pleading with God in Psalm 51. In Psalm 32, how joyful is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin 
is covered. How joyful is that person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity, iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Why? Because Christ has erased the certificate of death with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us. He has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. That's why. The whole point of today is that our joy, my joy, but our joy, would just be restored to us. We lose a little bit of it every day. And then we come back, we gather, and then we're reminded of it. And that, I pray today, is just one of those, those days for you that you can just kind of get out of the brain for just a little bit. I mean, the brain of like just the heaviness of just thinking about your life and all your mistakes and all your worries and doubts about potential and absolutely future mistakes. That you can sit and think about God. God, you forgave me from my sin. God, who is that? And then you start thinking, you know, you're like, you're like looking in the rear mirror, you know, you're not, you're not staring at your navel and doing some weird, crazy examination, like unhealthy self-examination. But you're just remembering that Christ has forgiven you, and he will forgive you. And so that burden that you're carrying around, if you are, and you will, it's what life is all about. We, we, we sin two steps forward, one step back. That you would repent quickly, and that you would find this joy. And then as you start to kind of lose sight of this joy, that you would remember the gospel. And that you would proclaim the gospel to your own heart. And then as you come and gather with us each Sunday, that your heart wouldn't get hardened to hearing the gospel. Because those who have heard the gospel enough have clearly not heard the gospel enough. And that we would just be amazed week in and week out. The fact that our sin is covered, our transgression is forgiven, and that there is no iniquity. We're not being charged with iniquity. We're actually being charged with the righteousness of God himself. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Psalm 32. Oh, the depth and the riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that he should be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for covering. Thank you for righteousness. Thank you for your faithful love, surrounding us with your faithful love. Lord, thank you for surrounding us with joyful shouts of your people, joyful shouts of deliverance, Lord. Lord, help us to believe these things. We believe them. Help us to believe them even more, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be confessors and repenters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.